Amen. Well, good morning. Good to have everyone here. I'm glad to be here. Great worship. Um, we are uh, in this series on kingdom purpose, and uh, and just I, I love the the um, the way God sometimes just brings everything together. And this is the way it should be. If you go to Galatians chapter 3, verse 5, you actually see this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go a little deeper today. Yeah, hopefully you all are ready to uh, maybe take some notes and do some additional study on your own. Because I'm going I'm to drop a, a load here this morning. So um, hopefully uh, this will uh, definitely stir you up to study and, uh, and go deeper. Um, because we watched this morning the moving of the Spirit, even um, being able to be released where there is a supply that comes, where God speaks and God moves and God does things in our midst um, that, that, uh, that He desires to accomplish. As we gather together in church, as the church, to be the church, we... Um, we have to honor him. And it, because ultimately, you know, when you think about the kingdom of God, kingdom purpose, it's about the rule of God, right? And we're even to be praying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as, as it is in heaven. And so it's about his rule, his authority. And so even when you look at, you know, when you think about government and all of that, I, listen, with God, there's not a democracy, you don't get a vote. <laughs> I know there's just been elections and all this going on. Everybody's, vote, vote, make your vote count. Well, with God, guess what? It's a theocracy. He's the boss. What he says goes. <laughs> That's it. And he's looking for us to come in alignment to that. And that's why he's given us his word. says that he's even exalted his word above his own name. So that we have... A benchmark, we have a foundation, we have an absolute that we can go to and always know that you can count on that. And that if we live according to the word and what the word says, your life is blessed. Things will work out really good. If you are in opposition against that and you get outside of the word, then you experience negative consequence. That's the reality of what happens. But if you come in under the rule of God, the kingdom of God, and your life is submitted to his divine order, all of a sudden life begins to take on a, a transformative flow in nature of Christ-likeness. And so I'm hoping to be able to help us in that. One of our core values here at the, at the Life Church is a spirit-filled life. And I'm going to read... a. a I hit on this last week. I'd love for you to go back and, and, um, and listen to St. Angelo's message that I preached last week. I did a part in the, in the series that I, that I pulled from and didn't do here. I felt like that Pastor Lane needed to bring that word that he had. And, um, and so I didn't do it here. I did it in St. Angelo. You can go listen to it. But it's on Under Kingdom Purpose. I speak directly about leadership. I talk about eldership. Uh, some of those things in greater depth than what church government looks like um, from, from, the, from the Bible, from a biblical perspective. And uh, so you can catch up on that. But I did a takeoff, and, and I want us to hit this again this morning. 
Uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Father, we thank you for just having your way in our midst and all the things that you want to uh, release to us here today so that uh, we're able to receive from you, from your word, from truth, and, and that it is that inward transformative work, Father, that, that, that takes us from glory to glory, from faith to faith, from, from one level of living life to the next level of living life that, that truly is in the blessings of God and representing you properly in the earth. And so, Father, we thank you for that. Let each of us receive that today. Cause me to speak as an oracle of God. In Jesus' name, amen. In Matthew chapter 16, um, so I, as you can tell, I'm just, I'm getting there. I, not, a, not a whole lot of, uh, of uh, lollygagging today. Y'all use that word up here? Okay. <laughs> you know, in West Texas, we have all these isms, you know. <laughs> Woo. Uh, Matthew 16, verse 15, it says, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? So I've, I've used this as a takeoff. This was kind of my theme where I was headed uh, with kingdom purpose, and um, and and so try to try. To, let me try to kind of punch that here at the end of this series. It says Simon Peter answered and said, "You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God." Jesus answered and said to him, "Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church." Not on little Peter, little rock, but on the rock of revelation that he recognized that this is Messiah. This is the Christ. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom. So he says, I'm going to build my church, but I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind, whatever you stop, whatever you don't allow... On earth will be bound in heaven in the spirit. That's a lot of that correlation you can see is that is it the way that works. And whatever you loose or allow on earth will be loosed in heaven. For for kingdom, if let, let me let me let me set a little bit what I did last week. In the gospels you'll only find church mentioned in two different passages. This passage in Matthew 18. Only two places. And yet, look at the significance of the church, right? And Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. So church, is a, it's a big deal, right? But it's only mentioned two passages. It's all about the kingdom. You get into the book of Acts... And about 50% of the time, kingdom is used. And about 50% of the time, church is used. You get into the epistles, the letters, over on into the New Testament. And all of a sudden, you begin to realize kingdom is mentioned very, very few times. And it's all about the church. He's building his church. See, God's method in the earth is the church. That's why I'm big into church planning. Pastor David will tell you that when we built our rubric and we're, we're looking at, okay, on the foreign mission field, who are we going to support? Well, we want unreached nations and we want church planting. So we begin to drive that. 
as a primary source of where our resources go. Now, do we do other types of help? Absolutely. Do we help with feeding programs? Are we involved in orphanages? Absolutely. Do we do some of the other kinds of humanitarian things? Absolutely. But I still believe God's answer is the church. That's why church needs to have those types of things working through the church. See, it's not about us coming to church. It's us being the church. The ecclesia, the called out, called together ones. And so in that, keep that in mind as we, as we move now into the actual message for today, which is about the spirit-filled life. And what does that look like? Well, I want us to read here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And, and you'll, you'll find here uh, in verse, verse, verse 1 here, it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now concerning spiritual gifts. Now how many of you feel like that you are really up on all the spiritual gifts? And yet, Paul is writes and says, don't be ignorant. <laughs> right? Sometimes in life, if we're not careful, some things that we should really be up on, we're not up on. And we wonder why sometimes things are lagging. Things aren't where they should be. I believe that if we do a dive on this and we begin to have a better understanding overall of the spirit. And, and let, me, let me go a little further. If you look at your King James Bible or your New King James, the word gifts is in italics. It's not there in the original. Come on, some of you are going to start studying and reading your Bible different. If you're reading along there, and in, in the word is in italics, the translators placed it there to try and help the interpretation, to help the translation, to help the meaning. But the word there is pneumaticos. It's about God does not want us to be ignorant of spirituals, of the spirit-filled life and what that looks like. And Paul, earlier on in 1 Corinthians he created a real distinction between the natural man who's outside of Christ, outside of covenant, does not have a relationship with God. His spirit man is not born again. He is not destined for heaven. God is, right? And then he talks about the carnal Christian that, okay, you, you, you've, you've made a commitment, but you're still soulless. You're, you're living out of your own soul in your makeup of who you are. But you're still in charge. And then he talks about the spirit man and the spiritual life. And what happens when a person surrenders himself and submits themselves to where now the spirit of God is working with your spirit to where your spirit is no longer the caboose. Your spirit is the engine. I love the old tracks, you know, the old um, Campus Crusade, the four spiritual laws. And they, then they had the little blue track called the spirit, Spirit-Filled Life. <laughs> and, they, and, it, and it was, a, you know, it, it was that, that thing of, of where Christ really sets upon the throne room of the heart. See, God wants all of us. God does just, he just doesn't want a little piece of us, you know. 
See, too many, too many just want to treat the things of God and the relationship with God like, it, like it's some kind of buffet. I'll take a little of that. Ooh, I don't like that. I think I'll pass on that. But see, we, we can't do that. We, we, we've got to take the whole counsel of God. We've got to embrace all that God is speaking and saying to us. And when we, when we try to leave certain pieces out, then we lack in those areas. And all of a sudden, life doesn't look as full and rich as it could if there is a full surrender to Christ, to the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. Here on down, and you know, because there's a couple of verses there, it talks about basically that they were led around by a bunch of dumb idols. Uh, you you got to picture this. I mean, think about what was happening in the New Testament. You know, that, that, that you know, as they launched out, you know, and Paul began to do missionary travel and he's going to Ephesus and Corinth and all these places, these are heathens. I mean, look at it. Acts chapter 15, uh, some Jewish guys coming down there and they're trying to enforce all the works of the law again. Kind of the same thing that Peter, you know, in Galatians 3 is trying to deal with, you know, that, that he's like, who bewitched you? Having begun in the spirit, are you going to be perfected by the works of the law? No, you got to stay in the spirit. You know, this, is, this has got to be the focal point. And, but, but in Acts 15, they, they still put some things out. They, they, James refers and in quotes Amos chapter 9 about the restoring, the restoration of the tabernacle of David. The open presence of God that is available. Not the old order of Moses' tabernacle and having to go through all this ritual. But during the life of David, the tabernacle was set openly for all to come into the presence of God. Acts 15, James says, to the Gentiles, this will be what will be restored. Not the tabernacle of Moses, but the tabernacle of David. And then he goes into and says, okay, here's what we're going to say in the letter for you to take to the Gentile churches. That they just simply do these things. Stop. Worshiping idols. <laughs> Stop fornicating, sleeping around. Sexual immorality. Yeah, it's in there. And, you know, God honors what's in covenant between a man and a woman in holy matrimony. And then, stop drinking blood. So he hits those three things. Why? Because they were blood-drinking, idol-worshiping, fornicating heathens. <laughs> that's, what the, that's what was out there in the world. So the church has got to be the church. Salt and light, right? We've got to be a, a, a standard bearer. There's got to be a difference. And here then, as he goes into this, in verse 4, he says, so he, so he says, don't be ignorant of spiritual things, of the spiritual life and spirituals because you were already carried away by all these dumb idols. You already, they'd already given themselves all that. Didn't produce anything. And then verse 4, there are diversities of gifts but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities but the same God who works in all. Father. 
I believe that you can see the triunity of God even in this verse, in this passage. From the Holy Spirit, the Son, Jesus Christ as Lord, and Father God. And I want us to look at those and just touch on these real quick. Again, I'll give a disclaimer. This is, this is from my research, from what I can see scripturally. I haven't, I haven't heard a lot of this taught necessarily. And so, but yet, it, it seems to hold true. If you can prove me different, come talk to me. Here in Ephesians 4, we see these gifts. These are from Jesus. And he says, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, and that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by trickery of men, the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth, speaking the truth, God's word, the truth in love. You, 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 can, still, you can still do it in love. You don't have to beat people up, but you still got to speak truth. In love may grow up. Go ahead and look at somebody and say, we're growing up. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> it's, it's about growing up, that we would grow up into the things, into him who is the head, Christ. He's the head of his church, from whom the whole body is fitly joined together by what every joint supplies. And we're going to get to that again. This, this is hit over and over and over. From that passage there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, as you read on and, and get on. And I'd encourage you, you read, read 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. The sandwich of love in, in between there to, to, to bring it all together. But there, there's a powerful, powerful truth just in that passage and us being members together. We're in this together. And so, but these five ascension order gifts, many, many call them the, the, the five-fold ministry. I call them the ascension order gifts. Right before this, it said Jesus first descended before he ascended. He led captivity captive. Most theologians believe that he entered into Abraham's bosom and he took the believers and the saints of God and took them out of that place of Hades where the gulf separated. You remember the story of Lazarus and the rich man that, that separated for those who were in torment and those who were in Abraham's bosom, and he led them into paradise to where now there is a real separation. Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave. He took the keys of the enemy. He took his authority. He fulfilled what in, in the beginning of time even after the fall, that the seed, seed of the woman being Christ, if you look at this, would crush the head of the serpent. The authority of the enemy. And Jesus did that. 
And so he took that authority away. That's why Jesus was saying, I'm going to build my church, but I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. Now, he, he was making a way to where restoration in the earth was, it was going to be given back to the, back to the church to where, see, I, Jesus isn't coming back for some little wimpy, beat up, run down, you know, hag of a looking bride. <laughs> I don't believe that. He's, the, the word talks about her being a glorious church, right? And so I'm looking for some glory to come and, and uh, kind of get some of the, the stuff off. <laughs> Help us to start looking all that we should look like. And these five ascension order gifts are to help equip the body of Christ for growth. See, a lot of times when we look at church leadership, and I don't spend a lot of time here, we're, we're looking simply, you know, for a pastor. And then the pastor, he marries, he buries, he's hospital visiting. He's... But you don't see that in Scripture. You won't find that. That, is, that precedent's not there. Mostly what you find, there can still be senior headship, just like in Jerusalem where in, the, in that council everybody was having input. But finally, James said, okay, guys, here's what we're going to do. He was head of the church at Jerusalem. And he brought all that council together and said, bam, here's, here's what we're doing. There are under shepherds, under leaders, under the chief shepherd, Jesus. Go back and listen to last week's message. And, but here, what, we just, what I just want you to see is these are the word gifts here. It is a different word gift than in the other places. The other places, it's a charis. It's a, it's a love gift. This is the word doma. This is a different kind of gift. What kind of gift is this? Well, it's a servant gift, but it's a, a, a servant that has some authority. How many of you ever rode on a plane? No. Oh. You have flight attendants. And that flight attendant says, get that seat back up, put that seat belt on, <laughs> get your feet down, get whatever's under that seat. Get it in the overhead, shut it, right? There's some authority, but they're serving. That's what these ascension order gifts are. They're, they're servant gifts, but it's to care for, not just to, to uh, be kind and nice and soften. It is, it is so that our lives that we can avoid the pitfalls of life so that there's some boundaries, there's some guardrails up, there's some, some, some guidelines to, to life so that we don't end up in the bardage of life. See, I love you enough, I'm going to speak the truth and I'm going to help direct that not from a dictatorial tyrannical place but from a place of a heart from Christ that says I want to serve you and I'd love to see your life blessed as possible so I'm going to give you the word amen number two kind of quiet this morning you with me number two 
Holy Spirit gifts. We go on down and we see here 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and it goes back into, remember, we, 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 we looked at those three that were up there and he says, you know, because right up there he said there are diversities of gifts but the same Spirit. You drop down to verse 7, he says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, not criticism, discerning of spirits, please get that. <laughs> God ain't giving nobody no spirit of criticism. To another, come on, y'all can laugh and lighten up a little bit. It feels a little tense in here. To another, a, a different kinds of tongues and another interpretation of tongues, but to one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So there is the Holy Spirit that has these gifts. And the, the picture that I get in this is these are, these are the believer gifts. These are for believers. Outsiders don't get it. They don't, they don't get these gifts. If they're operating in some kind of, of psychic type of realm, they're in the demonic realm. They're like the... The slave girl in the book of Acts that had a spirit of di divination. And, and, and it operates. There's familiar spirits and they communicate with those psychics. And, and, and that, that thing is real. It's, it's of the devil. Right? But it's an imitation of the, of the genuine. You know, the devil, all he can do is imitate. And so he does imitate. But there is something that is real. And you have three categories. You have... These vocal gifts that are there, you have revelation gifts that are there, where words of wisdom, words of knowledge, where discerning the spirits. You, you have the power gifts that are there. And so we know that these gifts exist, but they're not ours per se. They're the Holy Spirit's. And he wants to flow them through us to minister and bring blessing to people's lives based on the need that is there. See, if all of us, if, if, if the only thing I ever had was a, was a word of wisdom and somebody needs prayer for healing <laughs> and all I can do is give them a, a little bit of wisdom, that's not, that's not necessarily the help they need. I believe that God wants us to open up and tap into the resource of the Holy Spirit flowing through us for whatever the need is at, the, at that point in time. Now, if you're needing some wisdom, man, I, and, and I'm always looking for that. <laughs> Somebody give me a word of wisdom. It, you're, you're wanting somebody tapped in to the Holy Spirit and being able to hear his voice and leading and be able to speak and voice into your life. And if we really, as the body of Christ, start, start exploring this and start loosening up a little bit. See, some people are so afraid of the things of the Holy Spirit. 
It's like, what? Well, it's spooky. And I, and I know that there's some crazy, I shouldn't say crazy. I, 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 I refer to them as granola Christians. Fruits, flakes, and nuts. <laughs> Got a few laughs. We don't we want to have granola Christians, you know. Listen, for it to be God, it doesn't have to be weird. Right? And, and, and it's crazy that sometimes we, we think that it's got to go weird to be some supernatural thing. Jesus just flowed in this stuff. If you look at the life of Jesus and how he ministered, and it wasn't weird. Now, yeah, I know he did some strange things when you take some mud and stick in a guy's eyes, you know. I mean, that's, that's a little extreme, you know. <laughs> but it worked. <laughs> and I don't know all the significance and backstory and what all that may. There may have been a lot more to it. In Western culture and Western mindset, we miss so much because we, are, we don't understand the Jewish aspects of, of a lot of things that, that, that go on in Judaism, and, uh, and especially during that time, and the, and the significance that things meant. We all got to keep studying, right? But in these believer gifts, we can tap into this. And then the last one, God gives individual giftings. Romans chapter 12, now right before this, he's talking about how all of us need to, need to be renewed in our mind and that, that if we give ourselves and, and offer ourselves as living sacrifices unto God, he says it's, it's, it's the most sane thing that you can do. That's, that's from the original. The most sane thing that you can do is to fully, wholly give yourself as a living sacrifice to God. Holy and acceptable to Him. And then he goes on and he says, For as many, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. Notice that. So we being many, notice he's still using many. <laughs> See, we're a, we're, we need to be a church family. How I many you know in your family, everybody's usually got something to do unless they're too young, right? Immature. But even then, you're wanting to start training them, right? Pick up those shoes, put them where they belong. Otherwise, you're going to regret it later, mama. All right, let me move on. <laughs> For being many are one body in Christ and individually... Look at this. I, I love the way Paul really kind of hits this and then hits this, the way he, he distinguishes that we're, there's many that make up a, the body of Christ. Think about your body. And yet individually, they are members. Individually. All of us, we're not just a number. God loves every single one of us. And individually, there is gifting that, that has been given for us to function in, to bless the body of Christ. He said, individually, members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace, according to the grace, God's empowerment, God's grace will help us to become what we could not become on our own. Right? It'll help us to do what we could not do on our own. That's the grace of God. 
He says, according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion. And this is, this is very different from what 1 Corinthians Holy Spirit gift is. This is, this is more of about who you are in your, in your motivational gift. Many, many refer to these as motivational gifts. These are the seven. So you have the five ascension order gifts given to the body of Christ. You have the nine um, gifts of the Holy Spirit. And you have the seven motivational gifts that are here listed. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them if prophecy. Let us prophesy in proportion to our faith or ministry. Let us use it. This is an administrative gift. In, in ministering, he who teaches. In teaching, he who exhorts. In exhortation, he who gives with liberality. He, excuse me. That ministering was serving. A lot of translations really hit that, and that's really the word. He who is um, who is uh, gives gives with liberality. He who leads, that's administrative, with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. These seven motivational gifts, I believe, even if you look at people that are on the outside, that Father God, because every human being is made in his image and his likeness, that there is some resemblance to that. But that's why 1 Corinthians chapter 12, right, or excuse me, Romans chapter 12, we begin the chapter saying, you got to get renewed. There's got to be transformation. You can't, you can't. You can't keep looking like the world because the world will, will take it and, and they'll pervert it and they'll use these things for their own gain. They'll use these things to chase earthly and fleshly desires. And as the body of Christ, if these things are sanctified and we have offered ourselves holy and acceptable to him as our reasonable service, as the most sane thing that we could ever do, and we're yielded to him and he's working through us, and, and all of a sudden, we're discovering who we are, even in our makeup. Many even call these the redemptive gifts because once you come through that process, the redemptive order of, of Christ-likeness hitting on these gifts, all of a sudden, they are healthy. And they bring life to the body. And we serve one another in the body of Christ. And we begin to... Draw from each other's strengths. Now, each one of these, if you go into de uh, some depth of teaching, you'll find that they do have in their strengths, they have some negatives, and they can have some immaturity that's there. This, this first one, you know, in prophecy, he's kind of a plumb bomb, to just give you a little bit of an idea. So that, that person, he, he, he hates what is evil. He loves what is, what is good, what is God. And he's kind of that plumb bob. And there's just no gray areas. So he's sometimes a little bit. Come on, how many of you know someone like that? You might be that person. And, and, and gray just doesn't work for you. It's either right or it's wrong. <laughs> that may be because you're a redemptive prophecy. In the makeup of who you are. And God needs people like that. Because, you know, I come from that building background. If, you did, if we did not build this building with a plumb bomb, basically, and these walls were leaning, <laughs> this building is dangerous. But every one of these gifts has such a value.
for the body of Christ. That's why we need each other. We need to lean into this. And for the Spirit-filled life, this should be an ongoing journey of where we're going and where we're at in this. Talked about earlier. Wasn't planning on this, but I'm going to finish with this because I felt like it was so beautiful with, with just, just what Michael and, and, and that the layout of those songs just so much tailored into this. And, um, and, and I love when it's, you know, when it's not orchestrated just in the natural. Sometimes there's nothing wrong with that, talking things out. Because that, that passage when Paul said uh, um, in Galatians, who's be- bewitched you? You think that somehow you're going to be able to start doing all the do's and don'ts and all the, all the stuff again just out of your own strength? Having begun in the Spirit, are you so foolish to think that you're going to somehow fulfill this by works of the law? He said, no. He said, he who supplies the Spirit. That word supply is a Greek word, epikoriega. Epi is always oversight. A bishop, he's an overseer, episcopus. There's an oversight in Jesus, head of his church, by by the moving of the Holy Spirit. There is an oversight, even in a service, and he said, he who supplies the Spirit and works miracles around, uh, among you. So he's, he's there bringing oversight. But that other part of that word is where we get our word choreographed. Come on, how many of you have ever seen some beautiful dance that has taken place that in, in, with an orchestra? And there is such choreograph that goes into that. And it becomes so beautiful. That's what a church service should look like, I believe. That's what Galatians 3.5, that's what it says. But it's to be able to work among us. See, I sense there's, there's some needs here today. Right here. Uh, there there's, could be all kinds of variation of needs, but the Holy Spirit is working to bring some, a message of hope, maybe comfort, maybe healing, maybe restoration, maybe something in your life. And, he, and, he's, and he's bringing that about, even today in this church service. And if we open our hearts and we trust for the Holy Spirit to just come in. You know, the, the other thing that signified the difference for Christians in that Jerusalem council, when you go back to, to that Acts 15, one of the things whenever they looked for Paul and Barnabas to give testimony for the mission trip that they had gone out and planted all these churches and seen all these come to ground, said they have received the Spirit just as we have. It was significant. It was that we were marked. We didn't just say this sinner's prayer. No. This was about this allowing the Holy Spirit to come, to, to hunger for His presence. That's why James quoted from Amos 9 that for the Gentiles, this thing is about this open presence of God in worship. The restoration of the tabernacle of David where all of us can come and into the presence of God freely. See, if you got stuff that you need to lay down, you need to repent of, you need to get rid of, you got, 
Listen, I don't care how bad you've blown it. Don't run from God. Run to him. It's in his presence that all that stuff can get washed off of us. In his presence to be able to come in on a Sunday after maybe a hard week. I was talking to someone. They were, they were talking about, you know, they're, they're, they're moving from one decade. They're about to have a birthday, and they're moving from one decade to the next. And they're like, I'm really glad to get past that decade. <laughs> Sometimes we feel that way, right? And it may have felt that way this past week for some of you. But to come back into the presence of God and to be able to just give it to him. Is there some things that you're carrying today that you just need to give it to him? Some, maybe some things that you need to just say, God, forgive me. That attitude, that, that, that thing I was doing, whatever that is. And to be able to offer it to him and say, come Holy Spirit. I want your presence. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Jesus is here. If you've not been born again, why not right here say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. I give you my life today. We're going to enter into this response time. Sing this last song. Then Pastor David will come, come finish out the end of the service. But right here in this moment, as we sing this song, I'm just trusting that the Holy Spirit that supplies that anointing to break bondages, to set people free, to bring healing, to forgive, to restore, to heal, is going to be here as you just open your heart and your life up to allow Him in to have his way. Father, we just offer ourselves to you according to Romans 12 as the most sane thing that we could do. As a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you. Let's worship God and offer ourselves to him.